You know, usually they say the news business slows around the holidays. Not when it comes to Donald Trump, right? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am Trish Regan. We are live today. We are brought to you in part by LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. I do want to inform you, Charles Thorngren, CEO of the company, is going to be on the show tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that. I'm sure he'll have a few things to say about everything that has transpired. Wow, this is pretty wild. A reminder, if you haven't subscribed, do subscribe. Do me that favor. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. We're here live every day. Lots of other segments coming your way, of course, as well. But first, let's get straight to the news. Donald Trump, I was here with you last night as this news broke live on this program. We went and heard him out in Iowa, Waterloo, Iowa. The news had just happened. Colorado court actually just coming out and saying, you know what? We're not going to let him be on our ballot. I mean, think about that. Think about how absolutely positively insane it is. I mean, granted, you know, every state gets to do what it wants to do. But if you're living under a system like that, in which states can say, you know, I don't like that guy. I don't like that girl. I don't like what they stand for. I'm just going to say, nope, not happening. They're not allowed to run in my state. I'm going to call them an insurrectionist. I think they want to overthrow the government And then you you take it all the way to the Supreme Court of Colorado and suddenly four to three. By the way, all people appointed by Democrats, all of those justices were Democrat appointed and they decide, "Uh uh-huh, we're going to take them off the ballot. What kind of system is that? Like, shouldn't the people of Colorado have some say? Mind you, how much you want to bet he winds up winning in Colorado? Anyway, here is Donald Trump's response to this and he is pointing out What I believe is very obvious right now, that our government has gone totally wild and that Joe Biden's Democrat Party that has taken over the so-called deep state, they are the threat to the system. That's what, in fact, has materialized. And that's why they're so terrified, because they know if he gets back in there, guess what? They're going to get called out. They're going to get called out in a massive way. By the way, he's got the documents to prove it. That's the whole thing lately, right? You know, all those documents he took off with? They have intimate details about how the deep state decided to go after his campaign in the first place. So if he exposes that, guess what? It is game over. Donald Trump speaking out in a really, really powerful way here, saying exactly what I think most of us already know. The threat to the system is, in fact, Joe Biden himself. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far-left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high-level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. Hmm. That's what it sounds like. I mean, you've seen all the polls. Is it any coincidence that the New York Times comes out with its poll? The New York Times is like, oh, my gosh, we can't believe we have this poll. They did it in conjunction with Siena. And what they found was that, in fact, Donald Trump is up over Joe Biden nationally by two points. They also found that Donald Trump was up significantly, in some cases, by 10 points in some of those swing states that they think, you know, that that they could have had. Well, no, they don't have them. This is not a lock by any means. 
for Joe Biden. And that's in part just because they got a lousy candidate who's done a lousy job. I'm sorry, but this is a guy who's done a terrible, terrible job. You know, Jake Sullivan, forgive me, not Jake Sullivan, mm-mm, the PR guy over at the Pentagon. He was quoted, John Kirby. John Kirby was quoted on Air Force One today saying that the president, President Biden, would never do anything to jeopardize the national security of Americans. And I think we're all sitting there going, really? Because it kind of feels like he's done almost everything possible to jeopardize the security, the economic well-being of everyday Americans. It keeps happening over and over and over again. You have only to look at what's going on the border to figure that one out. Anyway, Joe Biden was asked by reporters what his response was to the Colorado court's decision to use this 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 thing that was written in after the Civil War that, that's never been used before. Keep in mind, this is historic. Like, nobody's ever, ever done this. This is how much they hate them. So they're going to use Clause 3 in the 14th Amendment, saying he was an insurrectionist and he, he can't possibly hold office because of it. And Joe Biden's all in. Of course. Listen to him here. I think it's certainly self-evident. You saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies, I'll let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported an insurrection. No question about it. None. Zero. And uh, he seems to be doubling down on about everything. Anyway, I've got to go do this. Hey, wait, are we expecting a hostage deal anytime soon? Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Well, where? Where? Oh, <laughs> That was the other part. Where? Where are we getting the hostage to? There's no expectation at this point, but we are pushing. Can you address the prisoner exchange with Venezuela, sir? Yeah, I, can I do that after this event? Okay? All right? Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I get through one thing at a time? He was asked about Venezuela, and there was an exchange there. done yet. a long way to go. The first reporter was asking, of course, about... And your reaction to... What was going on in the Middle East... Look, the reality is he is in so far over his head and he has to hope. He has to hope that Colorado comes through for him because there's no other possible way that he actually gets elected again. I mean, again, I just go back to the polls. I go back to the sentiment of the people right now. I go back to the economy. I go back to the border. I go back to everything that's happening internationally. And look, I told you it was going to be bad. Did I not? I mean, I'm just a policy geek. A policy wonk. I mean, I'm like, I'm probably the only reporter that sat there and read every single solitary tax policy back in 2016 from every single possible candidate. Like I was buried in it. And I'm sorry, Ted Cruz, I didn't like yours. I saw that tax in there. All right. So like, this is me. I love policy and I get really into it. And I will tell you, he had and still has the best policies of any president since Ronald Reagan. Really, I mean, the best economic policy. I happen to know the economic team quite well. My friends, Larry Kudlow, who I used to host a show with for some five years over on CNBC. Steve Moore, great friend, economist, wonderful, wonderful guy. Occasionally he comes into this chat, by the way. We'll see if if, if he shows up. We got to get him back on the show. And my dear friend, Art Laffer, who, by the way, is the guy, right, who invented the Laffer curve that He showed President Reagan on a little napkin and President Reagan held it up and said, see, you know what, when you tax this much, guess what? You get diminished. It's diminishing returns. People don't produce as much, so you don't get as much tax revenue. It's not that hard. 
But you see, they make it very hard, and a lot of them don't understand any of it, and they're more just entrenched in the politics of everything, who you know, and how much money you're going to make when you're out of office. Or, dare I say, dare I say, when you're in office, right? I mean, that's certainly how it, it seems on the Joe Biden front. If these allegations turn out to be true, <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about. Hunter Biden, Burisma, China, Romania, $24 million allegedly being distributed to members of the Biden family. And as a result, more than 70 suspicious activity reports going out to Treasury from six major U.S. banks, including Bank of America. I, I, I mean, I, I'm just saying. All right. Anyway, so it's sort of um, a do or die kind of situation right now. They are trying everything they can. I mean, how many lawsuits have we looked at now? You got Fannie Willis down in Georgia. You get Letitia up in New York. You got Jack Smith in D.C. I mean, heck, they haven't even tried the guy for they're not even trying him actually on the insurrection thing. They're, they're trying to use this other clause. So let's, let's just get our legal stuff straight because this was all breaking in real time yesterday. And I want to make sure that what we were reporting was in fact accurate. I was making the point that, you know, there's that case that doesn't go before the Supreme Court Jack Smith's case until March. And by the way, it's being heard in, in March as well, March 4th in D.C., But what's significant about this one, it's entirely different, is even in that case, Jack Smith isn't even charging him with insurrection. This is just Colorado out on its own little onesie there saying, okay, we're going to try this. We're going to try this because Larry Tribe, let me see if I can find this soundbite for you. Larry Tribe, he's the Harvard guy. He told us to, right? Larry Tribe thought this would be a, a wise idea. Good old Larry Tribe. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take Dershowitz. Thank you very much. Dershowitz is is making the point that this is just insane. He and I talked yesterday about what was going on at the Supreme Court level in terms of all of the in, the, the people, I'm not even going to say insurrectionists, the people that were there on January 6th and whether or not the government, Jack Smith, could actually use this rather obscure, obscure little part of the law in order to actually put them behind bars and to go after Donald Trump. And his view was not really, but, you know, there might be something in there for everyone. Well, in actuality now, he's come out and said, as far as this particular case goes with Colorado, this is just insane. Like, there's no way this is happening. But his other colleague at Harvard University most recently had this to say. You see, they were really, really pushing for this 14th Amendment thing all along. They're really overly psyched and other states are about to jump on the bandwagon. I'll get to that. But first, hear Larry Tribe. Hear what he had to say about how important it was that somehow Colorado could come up with this little number. How do you view these particular efforts in Colorado and Minnesota to disqualify Trump? Eamon, thanks for having me back. I think these lawsuits are very carefully and thoughtfully designed. They amass a great deal of evidence that what happened not just on January 6th, but in the lead up to it with fake electoral slates and all the rest uh, was an insurrection, as the Constitution uses that term, and that Donald Trump was at the center of that insurrection against the Constitution of the United States and gave it aid or comfort. 
that does not mean that he gets punished. That would depend on whether he is prosecuted for insurrection and indicted or whether the pending indictments stick. This is not a punishment. And when you said he violated Section 3, that's not quite the way some people would put it. Some people would say Section 3, like the requirement that you not run a third time after you've been president twice, or like the requirement that you be old enough and a natural-born citizen, is just an eligibility requirement. And when Secretary of State Benson of Michigan said she thinks the courts should decide it, that's really the theory of these lawsuits. They proceed by suing the Secretary of State because under the laws of Colorado and Minnesota, it is that secretary's responsibility not to let someone on the ballot if they're ineligible to hold uh-huh. the office. So they're going to say he's but ineligible quite because clear. you hear that the theory as it, as it goes. He's ineligible because he's an insurrectionist. They've decided that. And you can't be an insurrectionist because of this law that was put in Article 14, Section 3, after the Civil War. So... Colorado did it. You heard Larry Tribe talking about Michigan wants to do it. You can expect that Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, they all want to do it. Heck, California's getting in on the act. This is the latest, guys. Let me show you this letter that just came out there from, uh, I, I believe this is the Secretary of the Honorable. Uh, yeah, they're writing to the California Secretary of State. They're looking for some assistance there. And they're saying that, in fact, California needs to do the right thing and take them off of the ballot because... Well, the Constitution requires that you must be 40 years old and not be an insurrectionist. Does this feel like it was like a bit of a setup? I mean, I just, I throw that out there. Like, was this a setup at all when you think back to January 6th and the refusal by Nancy Pelosi to call in the Capitol Hill police? the refusal to allow any real news crews inside, the refusal to allow all the footage to come forward under all the, the guise of security, right? Donald Trump even said he tried to go over there at one point and the Secret Service wouldn't allow him. They said it wasn't safe. It makes you think because the video footage that you saw over and over and over again, that was all brought to you courtesy of Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra Pelosi. This is what they showed us over and over again. I'm a little troubled by that. I'm troubled by it because, you know, Nancy Pelosi has a lot of friends in the media. Why wouldn't she call in her media friends? Why do you have to call in your daughter, the documentary film producer, not even a news producer? Believe me, there is a distinction. So she's got her documentary film producer in there recording everything. And this is what they showed us over and over and over and over again on on the video displays. Do I, do I have this? Let me see here. Angry right now. Oops. I'm an angry right now. No, that's definitely, that's definitely not it. I'm an angry Y'all need to get This is why I need my uh, production team today. I'm uh, flying solo here with you guys. And I'm just trying to see if I can find this because it's worth showing. I've showed it to you before. I mean, Alexandra Pelosi's daughter shot all of that footage. And I just find that really weird and really troubling. Because if you ask me, you want to have some at least semblance of not being so biased. And how can the daughter not be biased? I mean, she literally brought her own family member in who then turned around. This is the most amazing thing. Everybody's trying to make a buck, right? 
She sold it to CNN. I don't know for how much, but I know enough about the news business that when there's a tape like this that exists, all the networks are clamoring, trying to get it. They all want to try and get it. And CNN somehow scored it. So one assumes they paid Alexandra Pelosi some money for this tape. And then they build it as their own exclusive. And they had their exclusive bug up there. It's ours now, right? Well, you know what? It wasn't really yours. And you presented it as though it was yours, but it came from Alexandra Pelosi. And occasionally you told us in the beginning, this footage was shot by Alexandra Pelosi, the daughter of the Speaker of the House. But we didn't get that over and over again. Um, after a while, it just became, you know, part of the process. And what did we see in the hearings? None other than Alexandra's footage. We didn't see the 42,000 hours of tape that Mike Johnson now is saying he's going to release. We just saw the precious cut moments from the film producer. So I just say, was this all part of the act? I mean, they wanted to make sure that he never, ever, ever, ever came back. And unfortunately, to a certain extent, you know, like, look, he's not blameless. He's got the best policy, the best policy of anyone. But sometimes he can be his own worst enemy in this one because my idea is, you know what? You ride off on your big white horse, you wave, you say, you know what? I'm going to be back. It's like a Clint Eastwood moment or something. Like you can see it in an old fashioned movie. And he would have been back. I mean, I still think he's going to be back, but it's just problematic, right? It's problematic because they're able to use everything against him. And so that that's part of the problem. And here is, you know, there, there are courses of people out there. You heard from President Biden. There's, there's another Democrat out there who's just doubling down saying, ah, insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. Of course he has to, right? He's a Democrat from Delaware. That would be Joe's state. Let's listen to Chris Coons right here on, I'm assuming MSNBC. Same thing, right? Is it playing? It's not playing. All right. Try again. I was here on January 6th. Uh, We had an impeachment trial for President Trump after the events of January 6th. I think it's undeniable, in my view, that he participated in an insurrection and as such should be disqualified from holding federal office. (laughs) There you go. So it's tricky because on one hand, they don't want to put him on the ballot. But they actually have a stay on the order until January, which means the Supreme Court is going to have to what? Work overtime? They're going to have to work through their holidays. Oh, so much for those great vacations from their friends. So the Supreme Court is going to have to work and figure this one out because come March, Donald Trump is either on the ballot or he's not. If he's not on the ballot because there's been no decision, then what does that mean? I mean, you're already hearing that the Republican Party may just totally withdraw and do some kind of caucus method or some other kind of system. I mean, they'll get creative. There's a lot of smart minds at work here. Meanwhile, I want to play you this. Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy to the rescue here. I'm teasing. But anyway, Vivek Ramaswamy, he's about as annoyed as you and me and everybody else over this. He's also rather calculating and getting himself, inserting himself into the news cycle. But he makes a very interesting proposition, if you would. He throws this out there and says, you know what? I'm out. Like if Trump's not on the ballot in Colorado, we don't have a fair system and none of us should be on the ballot. It's kind of like this veto effort. Good luck with that one. Only because, you know, I don't think that 
Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and the rest of them are so into that idea. But it's a worthwhile thing to throw out there. What do you think? I, I want to play this for you guys. And you tell me, you tell me this live show. We're going to look at your reactions here, whether this would work. This is a hollowed out husk of what the country was built on. The basic principle that we, the people, select our leadership, not the unelected elite class in the back of palace halls. That's old world Europe, not the United States. That's why I'm making a pledge today that I will withdraw. I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot unless and until Trump's name is restored. And I demand that Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and Nikki Haley do the same thing or else these Republicans are simply complicit in this unconstitutional attack on the way we conduct our constitutional republic. I refuse to be complicit in that. He refuses to be complicit in that. So we got to give him points for that one. Don Backham making a very good point that if Trump files an appeal to the Supreme Court, that this is in fact stayed and stayed indefinitely. That's a good point because there's a little clause at the very end of what they're writing that this is in fact stayed until the Supreme Court rules on it. So I guess they're saying, hey, Supreme Court, you know what? You got to rule on it. And so then, in fact, he would be on the ballot. But again, what it will come down to is whether or not the Supreme Court is okay with this. So the Supreme Court now has got to decide whether or not Donald Trump was an insurrectionist. If they decide he was an insurrectionist, then in fact, no, he cannot hold office because he might be able to run. He just can't actually hold office. And some of these secretaries of states are going to try and use this as a legal manipulation to ensure that the Supreme Court addresses this. And then, of course, you're going to run into the situation where they say, well, it's Trump's Supreme Court. So we got to dismantle the court. I mean, you've already heard that. They want to pack the court. Chuck Schumer was talking about that just about, well, a year and a half ago. They don't like this court because there are too many Trump appointees. And so they think that the court is biased and thus will not actually deliver the verdict that they want. And so we're going, as a, one of the, Christo's making the point, we're going sort of into a, a third world kind of scenario yeah, I, I I think that this is very third world like and I'm not surprised by it. It's 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 sad that it's gotten to that. I, I I'll take that back. You know what I am surprised by this? Like this is that bad. I'm not surprised that they're trying to do everything they possibly can. They've made that very clear from the beginning that they would, but I am surprised that it's come to this. And I think it's been a succession of events that have gotten us here, including This little number, you remember Hillary Clinton, like she came out after she lost and said over and over again that it was somehow the Russians. I mean, that's a heck of a thing to say, as though like the Russians got into the software of the voting machines or something. You know, she, she was really pretty aggressive on that front. And then you had Jimmy Carter saying that Trump was an illegitimate president, again, because of the Russians. Wow. I mean, that's pretty loaded stuff. Incidentally, don't kid yourselves. You know what? Foreign countries have always been messing with our elections, and we mess with theirs, right? It's like just part of what everyone does. Angela Merkel, remember when it was like such a big scandal because she was in the Chancellor of Germany, and it came out that they were tapping her cell phone? I was with Keith Alexander at the time, who was former head of the NSA, 
somehow there was a speaking event or something we were both attending and I was interviewing him and we were talking a little bit on stage and off stage about this because I was fascinated. And he's like, well, yeah, <laughs> like this is what we do, right? We tap everybody's phone, like world leaders all over. And by the way, they tap ours. Like it's kind of just what happens. One of my friends uh, that I used to work at, at Fox with, actually, her father had been the ambassador to China as well as the ambassador to Russia. And I remember her telling me that she couldn't even talk to her parents over her cell phone like for, for months and months at a time, because again, everything was being listened to. So like, don't kid yourself. Yes, of course. Like Russia, everybody's trying, China's trying, everybody's trying to do something and we're trying to do it there too. So like, you know what, like, let's put on our big boy pants and just recognize that these are the ways of the world. But did Russia actually steal the election from? No, Hillary, that's going out on a limb from which you cannot return. That is fiction. I think of it like this, you know, in the market, stock market, they say, well, you know, you can have a little bit of an influence, these meme stocks, et cetera, like people tweet about stocks or personalities talk about them, journalists, et cetera. How much effect do they really have on these stocks? I still come back to this. You know what? A journalist is not going to have that much effect on a stock because ultimately it's up to the investor to decide whether that stock is really worth what they believe it to be worth, whether or not it has upside potential. And whatever somebody publishes, it's sort of just going out into the atmosphere. It's really not real. And even the meme stocks, when everybody jumps on board, like it's not real, okay? You need fundamentals in order for a stock to really perform. And I think it's the same thing for a candidate. You need those fundamentals. What are those fundamentals? Policy, 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 policy. And personality too, right? If you have that, then that's a pretty good scenario. So you're going to have good policy chops. You've got to be able to connect with the American people. And if so, you got a good shot at winning. And whatever the Russians do with their Facebook accounts or whatever, which by the way, they can't do anymore. Sure, you know, it could have some effect around the edges, but it doesn't actually sway an election. No. That it cannot do, just the same as, you know, an analyst who publishes a report as Bud is sinking in value. Remember how much money that company lost? As it's sinking in value, the analyst can come out and say, you know, this is a buy or this is a hold. And that doesn't change the actual dynamics of the stock going down because the overall market, we're talking invisible hand kind of stuff here, Adam Smith, the overall market knows better. Well, the American people know better. I have tremendous faith in the American people, which is why the Colorado thing really, really ticks me off. But keep in mind, keep in mind, Hillary Clinton has had this idea in her head and the Democrats have had this idea in their head from the very beginning, the idea that somehow they can control the election. I'm going to play you some sound that you need to pay attention to because this is Hillary Clinton back in August of 2020. This is before the November election, right? Weeks and weeks before. 
And she was getting nervous. She was getting nervous that Trump was going to win. So she went on this podcast with her former like PR person or something. And she said this, I nearly fell off my chair because I thought, wow, like this is banana Republic city. Is it not? What do you think? You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. (laughs) So she wasn't going to give an inch. She was going to drag this thing out. And then when he didn't give an inch, they decided to make it hell on earth. And in doing so, they are putting the American people through something that none of us should have to be going through. We talk about the threat of civil war, and, you know, I certainly would hope that it would never get to that. But I look at what's going on, and if you have states that are like, oh, we're not going to recognize him as, as our president. If you have an entire Democrat party that says, we are not going to recognize him as our president, he is illegitimate. Remember Maxine Waters and how many times she told us that? Remember Jimmy Carter, former president of the United States, actually saying that. This is explosive stuff to be saying. So they started it, okay? And if they don't get their way, they're going to dig in their heels so badly. But this is more, let me be very clear. This is more than them not getting their way. They are right now absolutely positively terrified because Donald Trump has had access to a bunch of documents that he took with him to Mar-a-Lago that tell us some pretty seedy stuff about just exactly what went down as they wiretapped him using, what was it, the Patriot Act? I I mean, it was this whole series of things, including the opposition research with the dossier that was nothing but a bunch of fiction. And they used all of this stuff to be able to go after him. Now we say, well, why didn't we get more from the Mueller report? Like, why why hasn't there been, uh, you know, more by way of um, investigation in all of this? Well, the Mueller report told us that it was dossier, in fact, was there was nothing there. I'd like to know more about all of it, how it went down, how they did this, why they did this. And I think that Trump would like to make sure that the American public know more. And they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that you don't know. They don't want you to know. You're not allowed to know. Just like you weren't allowed to know that there was any chance or possibility that the coronavirus might have actually been manufactured in a lab over in Wuhan, China. You weren't supposed to know that, and you definitely weren't supposed to know that any taxpayer money ever went to possibly fund some of it, right? Like, I'm even, I'm even getting into dangerous territory even saying that right now, but that is what Rand Paul has brought up in terms of his allegations, which it, it, you look at the documentation, and it certainly suggests that may have been what's going on, but these are the allegations, and yet you're not allowed to know this. It came out, what, just last year? that the Department of Energy and a series of other three-letter agencies were all like, yeah, you know what? It probably came from Wuhan, China, from that lab in Wuhan, China. Biden tried to shut it down. They tried to shut down Trump after he said, yeah, maybe it could have come from there. They tried to shut down the story, they shut down the New York Post Twitter account for saying that there were... There was an investigation by the FBI into Hunter Biden. I mean, this is this is wild, guys, and and this is not 
American in any way, shape, or form. So this is what we're dealing with. They've lied to us over and over and over again. So how, how are we expected to believe them now at any stage? And the lying, when they realize they get caught, just turns into more legal action. And so we're now in an environment where they're going to target him and they're going to target anyone around him and they're going to do all that they can to ensure he's not president again. And so then what? We've got Biden. That'll be just great. Good luck. Michael writing two words, bleach bit. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one well. Robert, good to see you. Don, thank you for the commentary and for your astute points on the court and its workings. And Alphonse as well, good to see you there. Alphonse brings up something that is worthwhile to address. There's a film that's coming out. I think Kirsten Dunst is starring in it. It's called Civil War, and it's due out in March of 2024. And it's this idea that we're going into a civil war. You know, it's it's like Hollywood is out there, too, doing its part. All hands on deck. Who else can we bring in? We got Colorado. We got California. We got Hollywood. We've got all our peeps. We've got the mainstream media. Literally everyone is in on this. And so then you start to say, like, why? I mean, was it that bad? The economy did well. The middle class thrived. We stayed out of war. We actually started to have some semblance of a border. There was a lot of prosperity. Like, why are they so freaked out? How can one man scare them so badly? It's a worthwhile question. Keep thinking about it. I'm going to keep thinking about it. Let me know if you have any answers. Put them in the questions below. Yes, Fred, it is Christmas. It's almost Christmas. And I've got to go do some Christmas shopping. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta do a lot of Christmas shopping. I got this news thing that keeps getting in the way. Anyway, so good to see you all. Daryl, welcome back again. Hey, by the way, we have team memberships now on YouTube for anybody who's looking to give a Christmas present. Uh, Trishregan.shop as well for all your Trishregan paraphernalia. Live free or die is the theme over there from the great state of New Hampshire in which I grew up. I'm hoping for some snow this Christmas. I may have to go to New Hampshire to get it. Hey, great to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here, and we will continue our conversation tomorrow.